Amen. Wonderful singing this morning. It's so good to be together to worship and fellowship and study God's Word. And we're so thankful for all of you who are here and especially our visitors. Uh, we are blessed by your presence and we hope that this time together with us is a blessing to you. We want you to know that you're always welcome and reach out to us if we can ever serve you at any time. Uh, I mentioned last week part of a story that uh, preacher, the preacher Paul Shero uh, from San Angelo uh, told. And he shared a story, though, about when he and his brother were little. What, how the story started was they decided to go on a hike. They lived in Abilene, and they got all their hiking gear and camping gear they needed from the Army surplus store. And they hiked the whole four blocks to Wilhare Park in Abilene. And they, they set up camp on the, the bank of the creek there, and that was their camp for the day. But they got there and they got set up and they realized they were missing one thing. They needed a campfire. And so in their brilliant minds, they decided, let's build us a campfire in the public park. And once they got it, got it started, the West Texas wind and the West Texas dry grass and shrubs and all that, they decided to help. And that fire started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And they realized that the water in their canteens wasn't doing anything to stop this fire. And so they had the brilliant idea to run home to mama. <laughs> they said, the best thing we can do is just run home. And, and Paul said that by the time they got home, the fire, the fire trucks were flying down to Wilhare Park and a police car was pulling up at the Shero house. <laughs> Paul and his brother were hiding inside terrified, thinking this is the end of their life for sure. Police officer got out of the car, started walking up to the house, but Mrs. Shero saw the officer coming, and she met him in the front yard. He never even got to the front door, talking to him about uh, and listening to him about what was going on. But she was defending her, Mama Bear was defending her, her baby boy. She wasn't saying they weren't wrong, but she was there to, to protect and take care of her, her babies. Now, the boys couldn't hear very much of what was being said between the officer and their mom, but one thing Paul remembers hearing was the officer saying, no ma'am, they're not going to go to jail this time. That gave them a little bit of relief, as terrified as they were. Eventually the police officer left, and then they had to face a higher power, mama. And things were bad, and then they only got worse when dad got home. They faced an even higher power and got the spanking of a lifetime, as I told you about last time. Their mom thought the CPS was going to come take the kids away, and he said, nobody wants these boys. They're not taking them anywhere. I can spank them all. I need to spank them. They certainly deserved it. But the point is, is that people do foolish things. We do foolish things, don't we? We've all been guilty of doing something foolish, something uh, something that caused destruction, that caused a mess, made mistakes, and a, and, and a fire was burning, so to speak. Whether it was poor judgment or selfishness or greed or lust or anger, people are good at doing foolish things, aren't they? 
and we've all had, had our fair share. And that foolishness, that those mistakes, they can cause hurt and destruction in lives, can't they? We've all been there. We've been on either side of it. But what I want us to think about today and understand is that God understands the mistakes and the messes that we make. You see, from Adam and Eve all the way to you and me, people have been making messes by doing foolish things in their lives. We've been causing uh, destruction in our lives ever since the beginning, haven't we? And so what I want us to think about is how God can bless us in our mess. Sometimes we just need to pray to God, God, bless this mess. This mess I've made, this mess we're in, will you please find a way to bless me and help me, help us in the mess that we're in. When I was at ACU uh, one year, a long time ago, Max Licato uh, spoke at chapel and uh, I remember, I guess, one thing that he said. Uh, he made a point that at the time I had not heard before, and I thought it was a very interesting point. He said, he's talking to college students, and he said, there's nothing you can do that would shock God and make him stop loving you. He has seen everything. And you think about all the stories you read in the Bible, and we'll, we'll touch on some of those. And you think about all the things that humankind have done, things you've seen, stories you've read. God has seen it all. There's nothing that surprises Him in huma with humanity. And yet He never stops loving us. See, think about that. You may have messed up really bad, and truly you might have. But the good news is that your failure doesn't have to be final, does it? It doesn't have to be the end of your story, the end of the road for you. That God can do something in the midst of our mess. So turn with me to an interesting verse that Solomon wrote. And I think uh, unusual to, to look at, but Proverbs 17, 12. Solomon wrote, let a man meet a she-bear, that means a mama bear, robbed of her cubs rather than a fool in his folly. And in that chapter, you can read the verses around, uh, around uh, verse 12, and you see that, that Solomon is writing some things about making good choices and bad choices and the consequences that either come with either of those choices. Choices, And so he says this in verse 12, say, you're better off meeting a mama bear whose cubs have been robbed and she's threatened by you and she doesn't know where her babies are. You're better off. You're safer with her than you are with a fool in his folly. Someone just living foolishly because of the destruction and damage that we can cause. And so Proverbs is a book of wisdom. These are true sayings. These are sayings of wisdom, words to live by, right? And so it's, it's kind of, they're kind of poetic sayings. And so there's a truth there. And he's saying, look, that's how bad we can mess things up in life. And sometimes you're better off trying to escape a bear than you are trying to deal with foolishness in life. The Syrian brown bear would have been the bear that Solomon was thinking about. 
And they're no longer, uh, uh, they lo- no longer live there in Israel and the surrounding area. They were driven to extinction in that area, at least. And that, that the Syrian brown bear was a powerful bear. It wasn't the biggest bear. But especially, they, 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 the people there in, in biblical times especially knew about the fury and the rage and the power of a mother Syrian brown bear when she was separated from her cubs or she felt that they were threatened. This was known. And so Solomon uses this known illustration like Jesus would use parables about with agriculture and and farming, things like that. People, they're like, oh yeah, I know that about bears around here. I've experienced that. They understood that when they read those words. The bear was a ferocious bear, and its rage was more easily to deal with and escape. Solomon is trying to help us understand than the foolishness of a person in their folly and the destruction they can cause. Now think about what Solomon is saying here. He's saying the human who's supposed to be the intelligent, rational being in in the, the illustration here, is acting foolishly out of selfishness, motivated by different reasons, anger, uh, and as I said, different motivations, emotions, all of that feeling threatened. But he's acting for himself, selfishly. And yet the mama bear is acting rationally and intelligently because she's thinking of her cubs. Do you see the difference there? She's concerned about the well-being of her children. And the foolish person is only enraged and flying off the handle and throwing stuff and screaming and hollering and cussing and making a mess because of how they feel and what they want and what they didn't get and how they want things to be and how they think things ought to be and how you ought to be and they were, how they were mistreated. You see, they're driven by their own inner issues. How does a foolish person act? Maybe in anger or rage, irrational behavior, uh, meanness, being vindictive. And you've seen this on the job. You've seen it in the home. You've seen it, you've seen it in every place, right, in every circle of life. Uh, cussing, arrogant, selfish, they despise authority, reject discipline and correction, and constant drama, right? So you got to think about if, 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 if that's me... Am I acting wise or not when I get into those moments or in that state? Some people will say, that's just how I am. That's how I was raised. That's how I'm wired. That's just me. That's my personality. We have to say, well, that's just not good enough. Especially for a person who claims Christianity, that's not acceptable. Because that's not the kind of people God has called us to be. So let's look at a few passages that help us think about uh, acting foolishly versus wisely. Uh, And they come from Proverbs and Psalms. Look at Proverbs 27.3. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Do you see the, the mental picture that he paints for us there? To see how... 
how foolish foolishness is, how bad it is, how destructive it is, the harm and the burden that it causes. David wrote in Psalm 38.5, My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. In other words, I'm living with the wounds of my own foolishness in my life. He understood the mess that could be made from folly. Psalm 69.5, David again wrote, Oh God, you know my folly. The wrongs I have done are not hidden from you. He was at least self-aware enough to know, yeah, I did that. I'm, I'm responsible for that. Now that I'm thinking clearly, I know I did that. Solomon wrote again in Proverbs 14.1, The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Proverbs 14.17, a few verses later, Solomon writes, A man of quick temper acts foolishly. We all know what that can do, that temper, that uh, easily irritated. But the good news is that God will meet us in our mess. You see, God doesn't run from us and hide from us when we're not perfect. In fact, He loved us so much He sent His own Son. In the midst of our sin, Paul wrote, while we were yet sinners, He said, I love them so much, i got to help them. i got to save them from their own mess and destruction. And so... God can help us reach us in our mess when we turn to Him and help us stand back up and get cleaned up and, 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 turn, and start over again, turn things over and start living right again. That's what, that's what God wants for our lives to, and then to learn from the mistakes that we've made. But that doesn't mean that you might not have consequences to deal with, right? There are times when we've got consequences, sometimes life-altering consequences. I'll tell you a quick story about a lady Joyce and I uh, knew uh, many years ago, before, uh, might have been even before we were married, before we had children for sure, and uh, this was a, a wonderful uh, younger, they were older than us, but a young couple, and if you met them, you would, you would love being around them. They were just great, great godly people. But the wife was a relatively new Christian. And soon after she became a Christian, a poor choice, some foolishness that she had done in the past caught up with her. And I don't know anything more about what happened and how it happened other than that it was credit card fraud. And it caught up with her. And whatever it was, it was bad enough where she actually had to go do jail time. This young mother, godly woman, if she walked in here, you would think, wow, I'm so glad they're visiting. I want to get to know them. They, and, and yet she had made a foolish decision. She had done wrong. And although she had become a Christian, not for that reason, but she had become a Christian, she had turned her life around. They were living right, doing everything they could to serve God and live for God. But that didn't erase the actual consequences that sometimes are there in life. And she had to go to jail. I, I think it was for several months. Can you imagine that? But it was a lesson that uh, in, in this, uh, what we're saying, it was a lesson about that. Sometimes there's consequences we still have to face. 
But the Bible is full of people, isn't it? Of people who messed up everything. There's, there's story after story about people and their foolish decisions and what they did and what happened. The first humans, maybe. We can go all the way back to the very beginning. And we can blame them for eating of the fruit of the tree of uh, uh, knowledge of good and evil. And, and allowing sin to enter into the world. And now that's the reason why we live in the world we live in today. Because of Adam and Eve. And guess what? Eve was the one deceived first. And Adam uh, added to the foolishness by standing there. Not helping or not being the spiritual leader. And leading his wife. And he partook too. Foolishness upon foolishness, right? Noah, you remember Noah? Oh, we always tell the great story, wonderful story about how he was faithful and the, and the world was just full of increasing wickedness and violence. And God said, that's it, I've had it. I'm going to send a flood and I'm starting over with Noah and his family. Built an ark and you know the story about uh, Noah and the ark. And then when they landed, God made a covenant with them. Uh, he was going to replenish the earth. He told them, be fruitful, multiply, uh, eat of the plants and animals of the earth. But sometimes we overlook what happened next, the last real story we have of Noah in the Bible. And that is that he planted a vineyard. And you know what he did when that vineyard started producing? He got drunk. He got wasted. And then the story ends we don't get any more of his story. Now he's mentioned in Hebrews 11 and he's mentioned in other places in positive ways. But what a terrible, you know, that, that's your last story told in the Bible about your, in your narrative. Foolish decision. And you know if he could, he would change that. Think about Sarah. God had made a covenant with Abram, her husband, that I'm going to uh, bless you, make you a great nation. Look at the stars. You're going to have more offspring, descendants than you can count. And what did Sarah do right after that? She gets worried because they're old and she, she says, there's my servant. You go be with my servant and have a child that way. She tries to force what God is already doing and, and figure it out. See, see, when we try to do it our way, we just make a mess, don't we? And then what happened when, she, when Hagar was pregnant? Sarah hated her, and Hagar fled. You remember that story? Now, Abraham, Abram, just like Adam, was, was being just as foolish because he should have said, Honey, I can't do that. God is going to take care of this. I don't know how and I don't know when. But we're going to let God take care of this. See, he acted just as foolishly. Jacob deceived his father, stole his brother's birthright. Solomon, whom we're quoting, who wrote these words in, in our main verse, the wisest man, wealthiest man, king of Israel, built the first temple to God. But look how foolishly he acted by having 700 wives and 300 concubines. And you know what eventually happened to him? Eventually, he, he turned away from God. And he started believing in foreign gods, you know, not real gods, little g-gods. Had turned away from God. Foolish. Achan. Not a story we tell a lot. When God gave Israel victory over Jericho. God said, go in, and he said to keep the silver and the gold for the temple. Don't take any of it. What did Achan do? Achan saw something sparkling over there, and he said, oh, man, I, 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 can, I can take that and provide for my family. I can, I can 
do that thing I've been needing to do for my family. I can, I, can, I can have some of that for myself. A little bit won't hurt. And he starts thinking in his, with his wisdom, with his logic, with his education. And so he steals some. And guess what? God knows what he's doing. God sees his foolishness. And in the end, Achan was put to death for his foolish, sinful acts. Judas betrayed Jesus, but Judas chose to let his failure be final. You see that? But what happened at, right at the same time? Peter was foolish too, wasn't he? He denied Jesus. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him three times and fled. And he wept bitterly. Can you, can you imagine that the possibility of Peter considering doing the same thing Judas did, ending his life? It wouldn't surprise me if that thought crossed his mind. But Peter didn't let failure be final. He knew that wasn't the answer. That never is. And in the end, and, and, and later, Jesus restores him into ministry. And we see the powerful things that God did through Peter. Why? Because even though he messed up, even in his foolishness, he realized God can turn this around if I'll let him work in my life. And finally, Paul wasn't always the bold follower of Jesus uh, that, that we read about in Acts and we read his letters that he wrote and we think, wow, if I could be like Paul. Paul wasn't always like that, was he? His boldness was uh, just the exact polar opposite on the other side of the issue, wasn't it? And he was a terrible person. A Pharisee with power, with status. But listen to the things that he did. The verses here, Acts chapter 8, 3. We learn that Saul was ravaging the church. He was totally against Jesus in the church. Ravaging, sought its destruction. In Acts 22, he's given his own testimony. He says that he persecuted this way with a capital W, the way of Jesus, as they called him the way. He persecuted this way to the death. He wanted them wiped out. In another testimony, Acts 26, 9 through 11, Paul says that he was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, so it wasn't just Stephen, they, he was a part of putting many Christians to death. When they were put to death, uh, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme, and in angry fury. Can you imagine that? In angry fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. Remember in Acts chapter 8, after Stephen died, the church scattered out of fear. Well, that lets us know Paul started hunting them down in angry fury. Think about how many parents he put in jail left those kids by themselves. Think about how many families he split up, putting one of the parents in jail because of his foolishness and his hate and his rage against the church, against Jesus. And, and, and he thought he was doing right, and yet he was causing nothing but destruction everywhere he went. Can you imagine his regret that he felt after he became a Christian? 
In fact, when you read his letters, even though he didn't wallow in it, you still hear that he never forgot what he did. And he was never anything but absolutely thankful for the grace of God in his life. And I just think he'd give, he'd give his, his, both his arms if he could to go back and, and change what he did in the past, don't you? In fact, Paul didn't let his past foolishness stop his future faithfulness. I want you to think about that. Paul didn't let his past foolishness stop his future faithfulness. We do that, don't we? We say, well, I've messed up too much now. God wouldn't accept me. The church wouldn't welcome me back. Uh, I'm no good anymore. Don't, Don't people do that? And we think, I can't be put in his service anymore. I can't be utilized anymore. And and, and maybe there are some consequences in certain things you can or can't do. But God can use you just like he used all these people in powerful ways. So look at Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Listen to Paul and you, you hear it in his heart. He says that he forgot what lies behind and strained for, forward to what lies ahead. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, when we're in a mess because of our own foolishness, that doesn't have to completely define us. When we turn our lives over to God, you know, when we repent, we say, I I, I blew it. I I just need you to take this and fix it, God. I'm turning myself over to you. Fix me, shape me, change me. I'll do what you need me to do. Then he'll get to work in your life. Can you imagine how Paul felt? Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, where he wrote, For I'm the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, uh, though it was not I but the grace of God that was within me. And back in Romans 7, we hear his heart and, and even his continued struggle with acting foolishly and doing wrong and going back to uh, some old ways and old habits and old sins and, and that, 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 that tension and that push and pull between, no, but I want to live for God, I want to serve Him. And in Romans 7, verse 18 and 19, he writes, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. You hear him talk from his weakness and foolishness at times. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep on doing. Can I stop being foolish, please? As he's crying out. But he finishes with verses 24 and 25. Look at what he writes. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And verse 25, thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. He's saying, thank you God for saving me. Thank you for your grace in my life. Thank you that failure is not final. And thank you that my past foolishness doesn't have to be my future faithfulness. That I can still live for you. And you can forgive me, pick me up, clean me up, and help me live right and start over again. You see, God turns our lives around 
when we surrender to Him. And that's what's hard for us, is to surrender. And that's when He does His work. So I want to ask you this morning, if you really have surrendered your life over to Him. You say, well, things are the way they are. They don't have to be. Is it going to be hard? It might be. But when we surrender to Him, we say, help me. Help me. And we start making wise decisions according to His Word. Instead of those same old decisions, we've been acting in the same old ways we've been acting, reacting in the same old ways we've been reacting. God can do His work in our lives and in our families. So do like Paul and turn your life over to God today. And maybe you need prayers. Maybe you just say, just pray for me. I, I, look, I, I need your prayers so, so God can turn this around in my life. So I can change. And maybe you say, you know what? I haven't even started my walk with Jesus yet. I need to put on Christ in baptism. I need to be a Christian like we read about in the New Testament. And I'm ready to do that today. I'm ready to surrender it all today. If we can help you, we invite you to come forward as we stand and sing. I am.